Section 1. Births, Mrs. Meek of a Son, from Reprinted Pieces. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Bob Neufeld. Charles Dickens, 200th Anniversary Collection, Volume 2. Births, Mrs. Meek of a Son. My name is Meek. I am, in fact, Mr. Meek. That son is mine, and Mrs. Meek's. When I saw the announcement in the Times, I dropped the paper. I had put it in myself, and paid for it. But it looked so noble that it overpowered me. As soon as I could compose my feelings, I took the paper up to Mrs. Meek's bedside. "'Maria Jane,' said I, I allude to Mrs. Meek, "'you are now a public character.' We read the review of our child several times, with feelings of the strongest emotion, and I sent the boy who cleans the boots and shoes to the office for fifteen copies. No reduction was made on taking that quantity. It is scarcely necessary for me to say that our child has been expected. In fact, it had been expected with comparative confidence for some months. Mrs. Meek's mother, who resides with us, of the name of Bigby, had made every preparation for its admission to our circle. I hope and I believe I am a quiet man. I will go farther. I know I am a quiet man. My constitution is tremulous, my voice is never loud, and in point of stature I, I have been from infancy small. I have the greatest respect for Maria Jane's mamma. She is a most remarkable woman. I honour Mary Jane's mamma. In my opinion, she would storm a town single-handed with a hearth-broom and carry it. I have never known her to yield any point whatever to mortal man. She is calculated to terrify the stoutest heart. Still, but I will not anticipate. The first intimation I had of any preparations being in progress on the part of Maria Jane's mamma was one afternoon, several months ago. I came home earlier than usual from the office, and proceeding into the dining-room, found an obstruction behind the door, which prevented it from opening freely. It was an obstruction of a soft nature. On looking in, I found it to be a female. The female in question stood in the corner behind the door, consuming sherry wine. From the nutty smell of that beverage pervading the apartment, I have no doubt she was consuming a second glassful. She wore a black bonnet of large dimensions, and was copious in figure. The expression of her countenance was severe and, and discontented. The words to which she gave her utterance on seeing me were these. "'Oh, get along with you, sir, if you please me. Mr. and Mrs. Bagme don't want no male parties here.' That female was Mrs. Prodgett. I immediately withdrew, of course. I was rather hurt, but 
I made no remark. Whether it was that I showed a lowness of spirits after dinner in consequence of feeling that I seemed to intrude, I cannot say. But Maria Jane's mamma said to me, on her retiring for the night, in a low, distinct voice, and with a look of reproach that completely subdued me, "'George Meek, Mrs. Prodgett is your wife's nurse.' i bear no ill-will towards mrs prodgett is it likely that i writing this with tears in my eyes should be capable of deliberate animosity towards a female so essential to the welfare of maria jane i am willing to admit that fate may have been to blame and not mrs prodgett but it is undeniably true that the latter female brought desolation and devastation into my lonely dwelling. We were happy after her first appearance. We were sometimes exceedingly so. But whenever the parlour door was opened, and Mrs. Prodgett announced, and she was very often announced, misery ensued. I could not bear Mrs. Prodgett's look. I felt that I was far from wanted, and had no business to exist in Mrs. Prodgett's presence. Between Maria Jane's mamma and Mrs. Prodgett there was a dreadful secret understanding, a dark mystery and conspiracy, pointing me out as a being to be shunned. I appeared to have done something that was evil. Whenever Mrs. Prodgett called, after dinner, I retire to my dressing-room, where the temperature is very low indeed in the wintry time of the year, and sat looking at my frosty breath as it rose before me, and at my rack of boots, a serviceable article of furniture, but never, in my opinion, an exhilarating object. The length of the councils that were held with Mrs. Prodgett under these circumstances I will not attempt to describe. I will merely remark that Mrs. Prodgett always consumed sherry wine while the deliberations were in progress, that they always ended in Maria Jane's being in wretched spirits on the sofa, and that Maria Jane's mamma always received me, when I was recalled, with a look of desolate triumph that too plainly said, Now, George Meek, you see my child Maria Jane a ruin, and I hope you are satisfied. I passed generally over the period that intervened between the day when Mrs. Prodgett entered her protest against male parties, and the ever-memorable midnight when I brought her to my unobtrusive house in a cab, with an extremely large box on the roof, and a bundle, a bandbox, and a basket between the driver's legs. I have no objection to Mrs. Prodgett, aided and abetted by Mrs. Bigby who I never can forget is the parent of Maria Jane, taking entire possession of my unassuming establishment. In the recesses of my own breast, the thought may linger that a man in possession cannot be so dreadful as a woman, and that woman Mrs. Prodgett. But I ought to bear a good deal, and I hope I can, and do. Huffing and snubbing prey upon my feelings, but I can bear them without complaint. They may tell in the long run. I may be hustled about from post to pillar beyond my strength. 
Nevertheless, I wish to avoid giving rise to words in the family. The voice of nature, however, cries aloud in behalf of Augustus George, my infant son. It is for him that I wish to utter a few plaintive household words. I am not at all angry. I am mild, but miserable. I wish to know why, when my child Augustus George was expected in our circle, a provision of pins was made, as if the little stranger were a criminal who was to be put to the torture immediately on his arrival instead of a holy babe. I wish to know why haste was made to stick those pins all over his innocent form in every direction. I wish to be informed why light and air are excluded from Augustus George like poisons. Why, I ask, is my unoffending infant so hedged into a basket bedstead with dainty and calico and with miniature sheets and blankets that I can only hear him snuffle, and no wonder, deep down under the pink hood of a little bathing machine? and can never peruse even so much of his lineaments as his nose. Was I expected to be the father of a French roll that the brushes of all nations were laid in to rasp Augustus George? Am I to be told that his sensitive skin was ever intended by nature to have rashes brought out upon it by the premature and incessant use of those formidable little instruments? Is my son a nutmeg, that he is to be grated on the stiff edges of sharp frills? Am I the parent of a muslin boy, that his yielding surface is to be crimped and small-plated? Or is my child composed of paper or of linen, that impressions of the finer getting-up art practised by the laundress are to be printed off all over his soft arms and legs, as I constantly observe them? the starch enters his soul. Who can wonder that he cries? Was Augustus George intended to have limbs, or to be born a torso? I presume that limbs were the intention, as they are the usual practice. Then why are my poor child's limbs fettered and tied up? Am I to be told that there is an analogy between Augustus George Meek and Jack Shepherd? Analyze castor oil at any institution of chemistry that may be agreed upon, and inform me what resemblance in taste it bears to that natural provision which it is at once the pride and duty of Maria Jane to administer to Augustus George. Yet I charge Mrs. Prodgett, aided and abetted by Mrs. Bigby, with systematically forcing castor oil on my innocent son from the first hour of his birth. When that medicine, in its efficient action, causes internal disturbance to Augustus George, I charge Mrs. Prodgett, aided and abetted by Mrs. Bigby, with insanely and inconsistently administering opium to allay the storm she has raised. What is the meaning of this? If the days of Egyptian mummies are past, how dare Mrs. Prodgett require, for the use of my son, an amount of flannel and linen that would carpet my humble roof? Do I wonder that she requires it? No. 
this morning within an hour i beheld this agonizing sight i beheld my son augustus george in mrs prodgett's hands and on mrs prodgett's knee being dressed he was at the moment comparatively speaking in a state of nature having nothing on but an extremely short shirt remarkably disproportionate to the length of his usual outer garments trailing from mrs prodgett's lap on the floor was a long narrow roller or bandage i should say of several yards in extent in this i saw mrs prodgett tightly roll the body of my unoffending infant turning him over and over now presenting his unconscious face upwards now the back of his bald head until the unnatural feat was accomplished and the bandage secured by a pin which i have every reason to believe entered the body of my only child in this tourniquet he passes the present phase of his existence can i know it and smile i fear i have been betrayed into expressing myself warmly but i feel deeply not for myself for augustus george i dare not interfere will any one on any publication any doctor any parent anybody i do not complain that mrs prodgett aided and abetted by mrs bigby entirely alienates maria jane's affections from me and interposes an impassable barrier between us i do not complain of being made of no account i do not want to be of any account but augustus george is a production of nature i cannot think otherwise and i claim that he should be treated with some rote reference to nature in my opinion mrs prodgett is from first to last a convention and a superstition are all the faculty afraid of mrs prodgett if not why don't they take her in hand and improve her p s maria jane's mamma boasts of her own knowledge of the subject and says she brought up seven children besides maria jane but how do i know that she might not have brought them up much better maria jane herself is far from strong and is subject to headaches and nervous indigestion besides which i learn from the statistical tables that one child in five dies within the first year of its life and one child in three within the fifth that don't look as if we could never improve in these particulars i think p p s augustus george is in convulsions End of births, Mrs. Meek of a son.